I love our family ministry and all they do in the ministry to uh, all of our kids from birth. Just kind of walking through the preschool area this morning, just uh, we're blessed and, and there's job security around here. That's for sure. That's for sure. So glad you're here today. Uh, tomorrow is, I think they call it now, Indigenous People Day. It used to be Columbus Day, and so there's no school. We've just made that decision around here, no school. And uh, I know some of you are looking forward. To that group that just left is really looking forward to tomorrow. We're, uh, we're in a series called Next Door, Loving Those Who Are Around You. And uh, I think this is so incredible of, of a series. We're going to top it off in, here in a few weeks. On October 23rd, we're having uh, Love the Rock. It's a half day, Saturday, from 8 to noon, in which we love, we join with all the other churches in town to serve and love on our city. And if you're not signed up, I, I want to encourage you to sign up. Go to, I think they've fixed all the glitches. Go to lovetherock.com and you can sign up there. You can pick out whatever you want to do. Maybe your Bible fellowship or group or whatever wants to do it together. That's perfectly okay. Just make sure you sign up. You can get your t-shirt here at uh, Central. The, many of the uh, service projects are family geared. So if you're wondering about your children being involved, I think they need to be involved. They need to see you serving, and they need to serve alongside of you. So October 23rd, that morning at 8 o'clock, you'll notice when you sign up that it, it says to meet where we're all kicking off from is St. William's Catholic Church just over here. And we we will meet there in the parking lot. We will pray. We'll kick it off, and then you'll go to your service project. And then we come back to St. William's Catholic, and we eat lunch together. It's an incredible time of serving. Thank you, Central, for being at the front of the line and uh, serving. So if you haven't signed up, I want to encourage you to sign up today to do that. But we are talking about how do we love our neighbors. Last week we talked about the story that Jesus told to uh, the religious leader uh, that we call the Good Samaritan, who is my neighbor. Today we're going to talk about barriers to um, loving our neighbors a little bit. But when I use the term endgame, this generation thinks about Marvel movies, but the term endgame is actually like when you invest in something, you have an endgame on what the result is that it's going to be pleasing to you. But I want to tell you that just obeying Jesus does not guarantee the end game of what we would like to see with our neighbors, but we're called to do it anyway. Now, for the uh, for the follower of Jesus Christ, the end game we we believe is eternal life, life with Christ forever. We believe that's the end game. But when you read the book of Hebrews, especially Hebrews chapter 11, when you got all this hall of fame of faith and everything, those people, it says in the scriptures there, that those people were still striving for something that they did not re- see fulfilled on this earth, 
but they were still striving for it. We, in other words, it's this. If I love my neighbors, if I uh, care for them, if I serve my neighbors and those closest around me, then you would think the end game would be that they will come to know Christ, that they will get actively involved in a church, that their marriage will be uh, strong. And, and yes, we pray for that for our neighbors. But what if it doesn't happen? What if I love and serve on my neighbor and they still do not come to Christ? They still do not get actively involved in a church. What am I supposed to do then? Or do I wash my feet of them and, and don't have anything to do? No. You continue to love them. You are responsible to love them. You're not responsible for the decision they make. You are responsible to love them. And, and that's what you're called to do. And so, here's the free thing. I, I grew up, uh, in, in a tradition, call it evangelical, whatever, and and there was a guilt trip that came along in early in my ministry that anybody I came in contact with, I'm responsible for their eternal destiny. Now, when you walk out life like that, somebody like me think I don't want to make any more friends. If I'm responsible for your eternal destiny. I don't want to know you. And so I, I would just think, I don't want to be responsible for you. But here's the freeing part. You ready? We are called by the Lord Himself to love God. And a demonstration of loving God is loving my neighbors. And so I'm just called to love my neighbors. Not so I can get a notch in my Bible. Not so that they have this target on them that I'm to go and they have this target and if they don't respond, then shame on you. No, I'm called to love them regardless. Because I want you to know, our neighbors, those closest around us, know if you're being inauthentic and you just see them as a target. They hate that. The world hates that. They, they think, oh, those evangelical Christians, they just see me, they just want to get a notch in their Bible by talking to me. No, 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 no. We want to just love people. And that really set me free when I understood my role with just to love my neighbors. Yeah, part of loving them is to share the most important thing in my life, which is Jesus. But I'm just called to love them. And I do love them. I, 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 I love our neighborhood incredibly. I love those that I work around. I, I you know... We're called to love people. Now, some of you, uh, especially you students, when I talk about loving your neighbors, maybe you want to think about those that you're closest around. How do you love them? Now, there are certain barriers, though, that exist on why we do not love our neighbors. I want to go over a few of these with you and and in just a moment, we're going to pick it back up in Luke chapter 10. But here's, here's one barrier. Our neighbors are just not lovable people. You, you, I mean, you can't even like them. They, it's like hugging a porcupine. They, they, they're just something about them that, that's bristly. Uh, maybe they don't have the same lifestyle as you. Uh, 
uh, or the same political affiliation that you have. One, one, I'm not saying this is a have to. This is not a thus saith the Lord. But for me, I do not put political signs in my yard. Now, I have a certain uh, candidate I may support, but I do not put political signs in my yard. Well, why do I not do that? If I feel that way, why would I not put that candidate's sign in my yard? I always think if my neighbor is not in agreement with me on a political affiliation, I want to remove that barrier. I don't want him to not have anything to do with me because I have a political representative. Now, if you have them, that's fine. It's not a conviction of yours. It's just a conviction of mine. Because I don't want anything to be a barrier. So, uh, maybe he's not likable. Maybe he's not of the same uh, political affiliation. Maybe he's a different ethnicity. Maybe he's from California. Maybe... I, lo- I love you Californians. You know, around here, the room may empty uh, because you you guys are taking over. Maybe he's a, a, a Yankee. How about that? Uh, and I know, uh, I know the Aggies are happy today, but maybe he's an Aggie and and uh, or Longhorn or whatever. You know, maybe there's just something about him. That's different, and 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 maybe his music is too loud. Maybe he never mows his yard. He never edges his yard. Maybe his kids are, are running wild. Maybe he's into partying. Maybe when it comes to the holidays, he he just the Griswolds. I mean, it's just it's just incredible. And and there's something that is just not likable about that person. And and you. Uh, you're there and you're thinking, man, it's just a barrier for me. All right, here's another barrier. Uh, you don't ever see them. You, you don't ever see your neighbors. They're always gone or they're always in their house. They never come outside. And I sometimes wonder, is that their fault or your fault, you know, that they may not come out? Here's one more barrier. You wait on them to make the first move. In other words, if they... <clears throat> come over to my house, I'll introduce myself to them, or I'll get to know them. Uh, if they open the door, then I will step through it. Um, because we feel like they will not receive me. Or they've been my neighbor for six years. They've lived across the street, and I don't even know their name. It's going to be embarrassing to go meet them all of a sudden. Or you're an introvert, and and you feel insecure about uh, talking to somebody that you do not know. These are barriers that exist. And, and some of these barriers are with your physical neighbors that you live close to. Some of them are office mates or classmates that you have that you just, uh, there's just some kind of barrier. But here's the biggest barrier to loving our neighbors. It's time. It's time. It's, it, You see, it takes time to invest in people. It takes time to get to know our neighbors. The most precious commodity that we have is 168 hours a week that we have to invest. And so it it is a barrier 
because it's going to take time. It's going to take time away from something else to get to know my neighbor and to love them properly. Well, we're going to talk about this barrier of time today a little bit. And I want you to pick it up in Luke chapter 10. Last week we ended with verse 37. Today we're going to pick it up with Luke 10 verse 38. And it's it's just, there's a reason it's right after that parable. And I think that we're going to see this today. I'm going to read through verse 42. And then we're going to unpack a little bit. And then I'm going to be very, very practical with you today. So verse 38 in Luke chapter 10 says this. Now as they went on their way, it's it's Jesus and his disciples. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. This village would be Bethany. It's about two miles from Jerusalem. Uh, It's the home of Lazarus and Mary and Martha, and that will make sense in just a moment. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. This this house that they come to in Bethany, Martha is literally the owner of the house or the the maiden, the one who uh, welcomes everybody, the matriarch, the one that takes care of everything. And here comes Jesus and his disciples. Did they know they were coming? I don't know. But Martha is there and she feels the responsibility of taking care of this entourage that have all of a sudden come to her house. You know, Martha gets uh, a bad rap so often. And I know many of you say, yeah, let's defend Martha a little bit. Uh, Martha, there's a couple of things about Martha that really stand out. Number one, she was a giving person. She opened up her house to this entourage. She opened up her house to Jesus and his disciples. She was willing to to take them in and open her house. Imagine that most of the disciples were teenagers or, or young men. Imagine disciple now all of a sudden breaks out in Martha's house and she didn't know it was coming. And so there she is. She opens up her home. She was a courageous person. She was willing to associate with Jesus even when others were seeking his life to take his life away. She was a caring, loving person. Obviously, she was a 2311, which says this, Jesus is speaking, the greatest among you will be your servant. And that's the way she was. Martha was a servant. And, and, there was something about her that was just willing to give everything that she had for the sake of Jesus. And, and that's the way she was. But she had a sister. Her sister was named Mary. Mary had been helping. Notice the, the passage as we look at that. It says when she went to Jesus, Martha went to Jesus, she said, she was helping me. But then she got up and left. So Mary had been uh, serving 
until Jesus shows up and she removes herself to sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, what, what, what happened in those days, a rabbi, Jesus, would, would uh, sit and all of the disciples would be sitting on the floor and there's Mary right in the middle of them. For a woman, that would be an extraordinary place to be, but she wanted to hear from Jesus and so she's sitting there right at his feet. There are three times that Mary is mentioned in Scripture. And every time she's at the feet of Jesus. This particular time, she's at the feet of Jesus listening to him teach. There's another time when her brother Lazarus has died and Jesus delayed on coming. And, and he finally shows up. She come and falls at his feet and says, Oh Lord, if you would have just been here. She's, she's crying out to Jesus. And then the third time is when Jesus is headed towards Jerusalem for his final time. He's going to be crucified. He's at their home. And what happens is, is Mary comes in. She breaks open a, 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 a vial of perfume, expensive perfume. She anoints Jesus and she's at his feet, just anointing his feet. Mary was always at the feet of Jesus. And that's something about her character right there. And, and, and then, but the conflict comes. You see, Martha is, is seeing where Mary is, and all of a sudden this conflict comes up. We're going to talk about this conflict a little bit, because all of us feel it. We, we, uh, we look at Martha, and we're thinking, she's justified. Right? She's taking care of all these people. She wants to do it. And, and she's in conflict. And so what does she do? She goes to Jesus. And he's probably teaching. And, and she just kind <clears> of <throat> interrupts and, uh, brings Jesus aside and gets his ear and says, uh, Mary was helping me. And she is no longer helping me. And I'm, I've got a lot of stuff to do. And so Jesus, in a loving way, he, he says, Martha, Martha, uh, and, and he just, uh, he just lovingly, uh, uh, talks to her that, about how she is distracted, that she is distracted. And, it, and here's a point for you to write down. Good things can keep you from the best thing. Good things can keep you from the best thing. Martha, what she did was not evil. It was a good thing. She needed to take care of them. However, it was not the best thing at the time that she needed to be doing. And and there she was. And she was distracted is what the Scripture says. What is distracted, basically, it means that she was pulled in two different directions. Oh, she longed to be where Mary was. But she saw the responsibility of what she needed to do over here. And so that's what she did. And, and it was those good things that kept her from the best, best thing. And you know what? <clears throat> Today, where we struggle is our culture tells us what the best things are. And so we think we gotta go after what the culture says is the most important. But what they are is they're not evil in themselves, but they're pulling us away from the feet of Jesus. And you see it all the time. Uh, uh, our, our, our students 
they're pulled in a particular direction because the culture said this is what you need to do. But so much time it is pulling them away from what is most important. And you adults see it the same way. You are pulled away from the feet of Jesus to so many good things. And so that's what Martha was was going through right there. And she complains to Jesus. And and it, look at Jesus' response, though. It's incredible. He says, Martha, Martha. Now, that, that doesn't seem like it's that big a deal. Uh, but it is a big deal. Because you see, in, in the uh, Middle Eastern language, when a name is repeated, it is repeated as a term of endearment. It's a term of intimacy. He said, Martha, Martha. It was a term of endearment. He, and this is the way I look at it. He's not getting on to her. He's basically coaching her as a parent would. Now, I've always loved sports, and I grew up playing sports, and there were certain coaches that I would respond to better than other coaches. If a coach got in my face and yelled at me, I would hear him, but I wouldn't receive it as well. My favorite coach was Coach Gonzalez because he would take me aside and he said, let's look at this, and he would he would coach me and almost like a parent. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's taking Martha aside. He says, Martha, Martha. And, and, and here's the point. He didn't want to guilt-induce her. And, and here's the next point you can write down. God doesn't want to, to guilt you into spending time with, the, with Him. And, and this message about time, many of you will feel guilty. Listen, I'm not sharing this for guilt. I'm sharing this to coach you, just like Jesus did. To coach you back that this is what is most important. And that's what he's doing with uh, uh, Martha. And he says, you're anxious and troubled. I thought about that. I thought about why was Mar- Martha so anxious and troubled? And I got some thoughts. Okay? Here's, here's part of my thoughts. She was one of those people that things needed to get done correctly. Now, some of you, that just made sense. Because you, you see that there are two different ways to do things. There's your way or the wrong way. And what Martha, I think she was one of those kind of people. It's not just that it gets done, it gets done correctly. She was going to do everything to excellence We're going to bring out the best china. We're going to kill the fatted calf. We're going to get it all together because Jesus deserves it. I'm going to do this for him. I don't care what you say. I'm going to do this for Jesus. And Jesus is thinking, Martha, a casserole, chicken salad will do. And she's wanting to do it correctly. So she was anxious and bothered. The next thing is, it was the tyranny and the urgent was crying out to her. The tyranny, the urgent. You gotta do this now! You, once you do this, then you can go sit at the feet of Jesus. But you gotta do this now. And many of us in our culture, the tyranny, the urgent, is just crying out to us. The other thing is, her serving took precedent over her sitting. Her serving took precedent over her sitting. Hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that her serving was evil. It's just that this was a time when Jesus 
was approaching. He, he didn't have too much time left. These times were very important. Sitting should be more important than serving at that time. And she worried about many things. She worried about uh, not just food and drink. I think Martha, I'm just reading into this. I can't have a Greek word that says this. But I think she also struggled with how people saw her. That if she wasn't serving and wasn't doing her best, then people may think she's lazy. Or people think might think she's not a good housekeeper. Some of you struggle with that. You struggle with how other people see you. Oh, if I pause, if I hit pause and go spend time with the Lord, people are going to think wrong of me. And some of your moms really battle with that. And you, the place you needed to be was at the feet of Jesus. And I know, I know Martha was concerned about the mess this group would make, and she had to take care of it. But ultimately, I think her biggest distraction is she wanted to be where Mary was. And she felt like she needed to be somewhere else. She was torn between the two. And Jesus says this, one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. For this moment, Jesus is saying, the most important place to be is at my feet and not serving right now. Here's the next thing I want you to write down. The serving life springs out of the sitting life. The serving life springs out of the sitting life. In other words, when we spend time with Jesus, then we are enabled to serve. We, we so, we're so busy, and I'm guilty of this, doing things for Jesus that I'm not allowing Him to do things through me. And we, we find the things to do when we are sitting at His feet. And when we do that one thing, when we do that one thing, which is sitting at the feet of Jesus, now we're enabled by His Spirit to truly love our neighbors correctly. Remember what I told you last week. We are to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love our neighbors as ourselves. So what I shared with you last week is a demonstration of our love for God is loving our neighbors. So we love those who are around us as a demonstration of our love for God. That one thing. Now I want to get very practical just a moment. Because some of you are thinking, Mark, I mean, all of you are thinking, I want to, I want to obey Christ in this. I want to love my neighbors correctly. I want to love my workmates and classmates. I want to love them correctly. But this time is a barrier, man. Uh, you know, I, you barely have time for yourself. So how do you love your neighbors correctly with your time just all messed up? Well, I want to, I want to, uh, we all have a rhythm of some sort. Now, I know some of you preschool moms, you don't have a rhythm. You're just dependent on that little one. I understand that completely. But you, you, you try to live your life out with rhythm. Whether it's getting up and going to school, whether it's going to work, for you that still go to work, for, cause you work from your house so often, but you have a rhythm that you live out. And I think with just some little tweaks, you can use the time you already have in your rhythm to love your neighbors. Let me give you a case in point. 
at times maybe turn your front yard into your backyard. Here's what I mean by that. I know you go read, you go uh, sit in your backyard, and, and you like the privacy, you like the quietness of that, and that's perfectly okay. How about tweaking it by, at times, go sit in your chair out in front just to be there we're, to see what's going on in your neighborhood, to see what's going on around you. Tweak it just a little bit. Maybe try to move your grill at some time to the front yard just to, to grill there, just to, just to tweak it a little bit so you can be around your neighbors to love them. Here's the second one. Walk your neighborhood. Prayer walk your neighborhood. Just, just as your rhythm of life, you, you should exercise somehow, and I know some of you go to the gym and it may not be your deal, but listen, it doesn't take long just to walk your neighborhood, prayer walk it. Now, we're, we're dog people, uh, and I've always, uh, Love dogs, it's just part of it, and dogs need to be walked. My, my best walker was my beagle, and I need to apologize to him whenever I see him again, because I walk this walker dog currently a lot more than I walked him. And, uh, but he needed to be walked all the time. And there's, there's two things that draw attention from people. One is dogs, the other is babies, right? So if you're, if you're pushing a baby around, people want to know. But but I called Buddy my evangelistic dog because he he didn't know any strangers, and we would walk. Current dog Gracie, same way. We walk, and as we walk, we're able to associate with neighbors, just find out something about them, and just love them. And and uh, so walk, prayer walk your neighborhood. Uh, um, thirdly. Thirdly is this, turn your wave into a walk. Here's what I mean by that. You wave at your neighbor down the street, right? You wave at them and, uh, and, and at times we need to turn that wave into just going down there and saying hi. Just to find out what's going on in their life, just talking to them. Turn your wave into a walk. One more. Some of you don't spend time at home. I understand that. You're at the Little League fields. You're at work. You're at school. You're at different places a lot more than you're at home. And, uh, and you're thinking, man, how do I turn my love, my neighbor, into where I spend the most of the, my time? 1970, Stephen Stills wrote a song. And some of you older people of that generation, like myself, will remember this song. It was called, Love the One You're With. Love the One You're With. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. I don't, I don't, I, I, that's not my, uh, philosophy of life. But, here's the point. Here's the point. If you can't be with your neighbors, look around you at your workspace. Look around you at your classmates. Look at those that you're closest to. See divine appointments all through there. 
I, I've discovered this. When I do not have a lunch appointment and I go to a sandwich place or I go to hamburger place or, or wherever I may go, we've lived here long enough that we know a lot of people. And it just seems like every time I go, God sets up a divine appointment for me to just sit and visit with somebody. Now, you, that's where you just love the one you're with. You, you look around you to love the individuals that you're around. Now, I want to ask you three questions just to wrap this up. And here's question number one. As I look at how I spend my time, what is eternal and what is temporary? What is eternal that I'm investing in and what is just temporary that I'm doing? What, as I look at my time, what is eternal and what is temporary? Ask yourself as you do that inventory of how you spend your week. Second question is this. What keeps me from loving my neighbor? I mean, what is the barrier that keeps me? What just keeps me from, from loving them? Some of us need to practice the art of elimination. We need to eliminate certain things in our life. Michelangelo, the great uh, carver and painter, he he was staring at a piece of marble and he was eventually going to chip away to have the David, his famous sculpture of David. And he was asked that what he did when he looked at that block of, of, of marble to do the carving, what did he look at? And he responded by saying this. He said, I just remove everything that doesn't look like a masterpiece. You know, God is chiseling on us. And when we look at our time, let's look at it. That God, maybe you want to remove this barrier so I can look more like the masterpiece that you've created me to be. And the third question is this. Can I truly ask God what is on His heart? What is His heart plan for me? Do I truly ask God what His heart plan is for me? I mean... Life is short. Man, this has been a week of, of a lot of death. And I had a funeral yesterday. Um, other things that I'm, I'm dealing with, with people that have passed away. And that's just, that's just, this sounds bad. That's just life. Uh, but that's the, the way things are. You deal with death. But life is short. Uh, it, it just is. And, and we have to ask God, what is your heart plan for me? You've allowed me to live here. You allowed me to go to this school. You've allowed me to work at this place. What is your heart plan for me? Now, when you came in today, if you didn't get one, you can get one when you leave. You got a tic-tac-toe board. Uh, pull that out right quick for you that have one. Uh, I think we have the picture of it up here so you can see what it looks like. If you didn't get one, you can get one when you leave. What this tic-tac-toe board is, is this is your neighborhood, okay? That's your house in the middle, and you can do it however you need to do it, but there are uh, three, five, 
eight squares that you can fill in. And what your, what your assignment is, is to, this is my neighbors. Just in each square, write their name. If you don't know their name, pray that God will give you the opportunity to get to know their name. And, and jot down something about them. They have three kids. They moved here from New York or, or wherever. And they, they are here. So you can, you can know your neighbors and you can begin to pray. Now next week I'm going to share with you, uh, another tool that's going to allow you to pray for your neighbors even a more intimate way. But get to know them. And, and some of you, now where you students, what I would challenge you is this, is to pick out one of your classes and begin to say, okay God, this is who sits around me in those classes. So Lord, Show me how I can pray for them to love them correctly and just get to know them and you, and fill that out. And, and some of you may get uh, several cards that you, some of you guys or and gals at your workplace, this is what you do. This is the people that you work around. These have the cubicles around me. And if you don't know them, just pray. God, help me to get to know them and, uh, and just to get to know their name. And jot it in there. We keep ours on our refrigerator. And uh, every Tuesday night, Pam and I pray specifically by name for our neighbors. It's just, it's just important to pray by name. And I know the temptation is to, Lord, bless the family down at 2324. Just bless them. And, and, and that's okay, but that's not specific. We're praying that God would just bless them, bless, uh, bless Crystal and Casey and their, and their kids. Lord, just pour yourself out. Let them know that you're real. And, and we pray for them specifically by name. And, uh, so here's your assignment. I want you to take your tic-tac-toe board, whatever is, is closest to you and begin to fill in that so that you can pray specifically for your neighbors. Why? Why is that important? And, I, and I'll end with this. I, when I read the Scriptures, I, I read it truly with the fact that Jesus could return. I, I just read it that way. Paul expected Christ to return. You reread Peter expected Christ to return. John so I read these letters and I see that they were anticipating Christ's return. I, like I said, I'm not responsible for how my neighbors respond, but I'm responsible to them to love them. And part of loving them is sharing with them the most important thing in my life, which is Jesus Christ. And so I believe that God in this particular time, we're, we're living in dark times. I, I, granted, I wake up and I read the news and I, and I listen to the headlines and I get, just get concerned. I get concerned for our country. I get concerned for our world. But listen, I can, I, I can deal with that which is around me as I began to pray, God, just soften up their hearts for you.